as we remain standing, I want you to get your Bible, please. Turn to Chronicles, Old Testament, Chronicles. First Chronicles, chapter number 29. First Chronicles, Old Testament. About a dozen or so books from Genesis as you're going forward. First Chronicles, there's two of them, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. Go to First Chronicles, chapter number 29. First Chronicles, chapter number 29. I'll read out loud. You read along with me silently. We'll read the first verse together. Verse number 1 of chapter number 29, First Chronicles. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender. And the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Turn to 1 Corinthians, New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 3. And verse number 16. Verse number 16. Verse number 16, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible. As I've often said, Lord, and I think all of us understand and know, everybody has an opinion. Everybody believes they know right and wrong. But your word is always correct. You've actually said, let God be true and every man a liar. If anybody is lying, it's not God. So anybody that disagrees with God is the liar. Lord, we don't want to be found liars. So please teach us your word. May we learn it. May we want to learn it. May we not read into the Bible, but may we read the Bible and let it talk to us. Father, help the dear people this morning, those that are watching live stream, those that are here. May we on purpose give our undivided attention to God's word. Thank you for this time together. May it benefit the children of God. May it help those that are not saved. And may it bring you glory. And we'll thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Many times I have wondered about the sights of that city and all that my eyes shall behold. I will see all the wonders when I enter that city, therefore ever be safe in his fold. Some morning you'll find me touring that city where the Son of God is the You'll find me there on the street, so pretty, made of gold, so pure and so bright. With Jesus, the one who gave me the victory, who led me across the divide. Some morning you'll find me touring that city, where with him I will ever abide. 
here on earth we have trouble that to us seems so heavy but in heaven no one will be sad mom and dad will be singing heaven's praises will be ringing for the dearest friend i've ever had some morning you'll find me touring that city where the son of god is the light you'll find me there on the street so pretty made of gold so pure and so bright with jesus the one who gave me the victory who led me across the divide some morning you'll find me touring that city where with him i will ever abide some morning you'll find me touring that city where the son of god is the light you'll find me there on the street so pretty made of gold so pure and so bright with jesus the one who gave me the victory who led me across the divide some morning you'll find me touring that city where with him i will ever abide where with him i will ever abide with him i will take your finger out of first chronicles go back and find it again first chronicles chapter 29 verse number one i want to point out something to you and then we'll go immediately to first corinthians chapter 13 can you hear me am i loud enough okay wonderful first corinthians chapter 29 verse number one furthermore david the king said unto all the congregation solomon my son whom alone god hath chosen is yet young and tender and the work is great for or because, here's the why the, the work is so great. The palace is not for men, but for the Lord God. Do you see that? That's what made it great. It wasn't something we're doing for people. It's something we're doing for God. God, we have decided to build a place for God. Understand, God doesn't live in a place. His Shekinah glory, his presence, if you would, was there. So we find out here, he said, the reason that it's so great and Solomon is younger, meaning that he, he lacks a lot of this experience and stuff he's going to need help with. So he said, and on top of all of that, the palace is not for men, but it's for the Lord God. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Here we find out, remember we were just talking about the work that they had to do called a palace. Look in verse number 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. I want to talk to you this morning about the palace is for the Lord. The palace is for the Lord. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help us please this morning to understand. Your word said heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. 
That's why the Bible, your word, is under such attack down here. It is absolute. We don't like absolutes. We don't like saying this is the way it has to be. We like arguing that point because we are rebellious by nature against God. So, Father, I pray that this morning we will understand about this whole palace, this temple that we're talking about, that you're talking about. May we take heed to it, and I'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God had given David peace from all of his enemies around him. He had a lot of them. But David at that time was a warrior. Uh, he was a very, very strong young man, and uh, he wanted to pay some kind of tribute to God. And uh, so with the aid of a, another king by the name of Hiram, uh, actually uh, Masons think this was the first Mason, uh, they call him Hiram Abbath. Uh, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But he helped to build the temple. Uh, uh, the temple in the Old Testament. And so he was a king, and they all got together and decided to build the temple. Now, you have to understand, David decided to build several things, two things. Number one, a beautiful cedar house. If you've ever smelled cedar, it's got a wonderful smell to it. And David decided to build for himself. He was the king, going to build himself a beautiful cedar house. The second thing that David was going to build was a more permanent abiding, very important, place for God. Now, understand, up to this point, God had always represented himself in a place called the tabernacle, which basically, very beautiful, but it was a tent structure, and it would move with them in the wilderness. When they would move, they'd pack it all up, and the priests and those who were given assigned jobs, they would all move it, they'd set it all back up again, and so it would move wherever they moved, and it was called the tabernacle. Now we come to find out here, and uh, this was all constructed about 475 years before David ever showed up. Now, David was the king now, and he wanted to do something great for God. And he said, I have a great idea. He went to the preacher and asked him, said, here's my idea. I'd like, I'd like to do this. The preacher said, sounds like a great idea, David. Do what's in your heart. That very night, God told the preacher, said, no, you tell him he's not the guy for the job. The reason is, he said, he's a bloody man. Now, what he meant by that was David was always in battles. David was always fighting. David was always defending. David was always in war. And God said, no, I can't use that kind of guy to do this. Understand, David had already got all the materials together. David had already got all the people together. David basically was had everything except let's put it together. And God said, no, you're not the guy. Now, most people, we would have pouted right about then. Man, after all the work I did, after everything I prepared, you know what David said? He said, you know something? My son Solomon's young. So he got everything together and told everybody, you're going to need to help him. Everything he needs, we need to help him. David didn't pout up. He said, look, I, okay, I did all this. Praise the Lord. Let's go help him. And so God told him that's the way it's going to be. Because David was a bloody man, David's son will build, that's why it's called Solomon's temple, even though David got it all together, got all the materials together, and got the approval, God said, no, it'll be Solomon. So it's called Solomon's temple. David had done everything he could to help. Now, about a thousand years before Jesus showed up, this temple was built. 30,000 Jews, 10,000 people from uh, carpenters from Tyre, Hiram people, if you would, Working 10,000 at a time, rotating months. A lot of people working together. That'd be organized, wouldn't it? 
better be. And so we find out here involved in this building. It's chief glory. You think to yourself, what's the big deal? So you try to say, okay, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Let me bring up some things to you if I can. The size was not went, wow, look how big, though it was enormous. It was 180 feet long, 90 feet wide, 50 feet high. That was just the temple itself, not counting everything else around it. One of the highest points of that entire structure, not just the temple, was 20 stories high. 20 stories high. But with all of that, that was not the chief glory. It wasn't the cost. Though some have estimated, going back, you know how they do money, at this rate of exchange today, it would be this much, that kind of thing. Even back then, some estimated it would be $30 million to build the whole thing. In today's money, it would be $3 billion. That was not the chief interest of people when they heard about it. It wasn't the beauty, though it was often referred to as, if you would, the beauty of holiness. Once the queen of Sheba, who had her own country and had her own palaces and stuff, she heard about this and decided to go see for herself. You know how people do. Yeah, I heard about this. I'm going to go see for myself. Most of the time, rumor or stories far exaggerate reality, right? Queen of Sheba got there, and when she finally looked at everything, it was the total opposite. She said the half has never yet been told. This is amazing. Everything was working properly. Everybody knew their job. Everything was perfect. She said the half has never yet been told. Now, most of the time when you hear rumor, reality doesn't near come up to, to rumor, right? In this particular case, reality was far below. Um, reality was much more than rumor. Its chief attraction, you want to know what it was? God dwelling in that temple. Now I'm headed somewhere. You need to pay attention. God himself took up his abode in a place in that temple called the Holy of Holies. It was called that because God represented himself there. So it was called the Holy of Holies. When it was finally completed and dedicated, then the Bible teaches that when it was all done, exactly the way God designed it, when everything was finished, God took up his abode in that room. God showed his acceptance and approval by entering in. Listen carefully, this is important because we're going to be talking about us here in a moment. God showed his approval by moving in to that temple, the Holy of Holies in particular. The same thing with the Christian's life, his body, our body. Now, when I say how large it is, I'm talking about your influence, your influence. It's so when we talked about the earthly temple that was built and designed, it wasn't the size they about, wow, look how big. Though it was. That was not the chief interest of people. It wasn't the cost. And though, listen to me, you may be worth a lot. You may have education. You may have funds. You may have abilities. You may have title. You may have a lot of stuff. But that, Christian, is not your chief interest of people. It's not how valuable. It's not the beauty of your life and all that people may see. Though concerning what people see... Contrary to a lot of Christians today, what people notice about you first is your outward appearance. The Bible says that men may see your good works. The Bible says that man looketh on the outward appearance. 
We do not live with God. You cannot see a person's heart. You cannot read a person's mind. So the first thing that anybody sees is the outward appearance of an individual. So what makes our Christian life have value, wonderful attraction to others is his presence in us showing out. It is his presence. I'm talking to Christians right now. I'm talking to Christians who God has taken up his abode inside this temple. Remember we read that in 1 Corinthians, that ye are the temple of the living God. That would be us now. Not everybody, just born-again Christians. Once this has been dedicated, once this has been set aside for God, then God comes in via the Holy Spirit of God and now lives inside of you. If you want to turn, I'm going to turn real quick, but if you want to, Psalm, Psalm chapter 29, verse number 2. Psalm 29, verse number 2. Everything we do now because God lives in us and needs to shine out of us. That's why the Bible says work out your own salvation. It doesn't mean work for salvation. It means salvation, look here, starts in here. Nobody can see in here. So I got to get this out. So God said, work that out. Work it out in your life. Work it out. Let people see your good works and glorify your Father. Psalm 29, verse number 2. Give unto the Lord glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Not jazzercise congregational singing. In the beauty of holiness. You know one of God's titles, one of his characteristics is he's holy. He's not a God. He's not the grandfather up there. He's not oh yeah him. No, he's the holy almighty God. Who now, if you're saved, happens to be our father. Watch very carefully. Go to Psalm 62, verse number 7. In God, Psalm 62, verse 7. In God is my salvation and my glory. So I do not have glory. He's my Savior. He's my glory. If I have any glory at all, it's because of him. When he moved into my life, this is what brings him glory. I don't. He does. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 31. Way up in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 31. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. All glory is due the Lord. Amen. Glory is not due to us. We want it, but it's not due to us. You have to understand the temple in the Old Testament, God was not represented in there till it was all dedicated, till it was all finished, and then everybody got out of that temple and God came in and took up his abode there. Amen. Same thing in the New Testament with us. We are the temple of God. Amen. Holy Spirit, if you would. And so what happens is once we've given our lives to Christ, once we have decided God's going to run my life, God comes and dwells in us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God teaches that he cannot leave us. He is sealed until the day of redemption. Amen. Without the Spirit of God, you are none of his. You do not belong to God. You're not trying to live for God. No, you're dead. Amen. When the Holy Spirit of God comes in, God, if you would, comes in and dwells in us, he quickens our spirit. We'll talk about that in just a moment here. Go to 2 Thessalonians. Uh-oh, new book. Go forward, four or five books, you'll run into it. Second Thessalonians, okay, maybe seven or eight books. You there? Go to Second Thessalonians chapter number two. 
2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse 14. Now, I do all of this not to bore you, but to show you I'm not making this stuff up. This is what the Bible, God's Word, says. Whereunto he called you by our gospel. God called you to himself by the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then he says this, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So our glory, Christ dwelling in us. That's our glory, is Christ dwelling in. So in other words, this palace, this temple belongs to God. Understand? Did you see me? The temple in the Old Testament, the entire structure, God lived in there, if you would. He didn't actually live in there. His presence, he was represented as being in there. Okay? God does not live in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. God's in heaven. Jesus Christ is the right hand of the Father. But the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside. If you're saved, if you're saved, if you are saved, that's what's happening to you. So we see several things set forth in this temple. I don't know how familiar you are with the temple or the tabernacle of the Old Testament, but there were basically three, it was divided up into three sections. Three sections. What you had, first of all, you had uh, the, um, oh, where am I at here? Oh, I'm sorry, I, I skipped. I want you to understand something. Man fell into sin because of Adam and Eve. God created man to fellowship with him. Sin interrupted that. God will not fellowship with sin. Will not. Cannot. Impossible. So God created man to fellowship with God. Sin interrupted that. Sin, the Bible said, your iniquity hath come between you and your God. That separated you. So God, before the world ever began, said, I already have a plan for that. It is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Yet in Hebrews it said at the end of the world that he died. Well, for us that would be about 2,000 years ago, which goes to show you how close the end of the world is. So what we have here is this. Jesus now, because our spirit in the garden, look up here, this is very important. This is what people don't understand. You, you read the Bible and you say, I don't understand it. You're not saved. It doesn't make sense why it has to be this way. You're not saved. You say, yeah, but I'm educated. The Bible said without the Spirit of God, you're none of His. Guess who the author of the Bible is? God, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in particular, all right? So what you do, you try to understand the Bible through your carnal knowledge, your own education, your own wisdom, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. This is why you fuss with it. Why does that have to be that way? I don't think that has to be that way. I don't think that's really true. You know, I don't understand that at all. Why is that? You ever wondered? Okay, now watch this. Once you get saved, the Bible said his spirit quickens my spirit. My spirit was dead. How in the world did that happen? When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, man was created to be a tripartite. Tripartite, meaning three. Three-part being. Body, soul, spirit. God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We were made in the image of God. You understand that? You don't look like God, but we're made in his image. So you have to understand something here. When that happened, God warned them, the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. You remember that? In Genesis chapter number two, you remember that? So what happened was, sure enough, they disobeyed. They did not physically die that day. Eventually, they physically died. Eventually, you'll physically die. Do you know why you die? Because sin has entered into the world. If sin had not entered into the world, nobody would ever have to die. However, that very moment they did that, their spirit died. 
They still had a spirit, but it was dead to God now. It wasn't communicating because something had come in between there, and it was sin. Sin, because of that, we could not communicate, could not fellowship with God. Even in the garden, God took an innocent animal and slew that animal, shed blood. The Bible says that blood is where the life is. Life is in the blood. Oh, I don't think why it has to be that way. Without blood, you're dead. Your oxygen flows through your blood. A lot of those things flows through your veins. Very, very important. So their spirit died. There we go. Their spirit died. Now when you receive Jesus Christ, I know you say I've accepted Christ into my heart. You accepted what he did for you. Jesus actually is not living in you. The Holy Spirit of God is. Okay? When that happens, the Holy Spirit of God comes in and guess what he does? He quickens or now makes alive your spirit because God, the Bible said, God is a spirit, and that's how we communicate. God does not talk to you here. God talks spirit to spirit. I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says. I don't know what you've been taught, but that's what the Bible teaches. So what you have to understand is, without the spirit of God, you're none hit. you can't communicate with him, you can't fellowship with him, you can't understand him. Everything is against you. You can't walk with him. Why? Because God is a spirit. He told the woman at the well, now is, the time cometh and now is when the true worshipers must worship the Lord in spirit, your spirit, and in truth. What do you mean my spirit? If your spirit is dead, you cannot fellowship with God. So until you receive Christ, now I can understand. Now I can be led. Now I can follow. Now I can do what God wants me to do. Why? Because now my spirit and the Holy Spirit of God, now we can communicate. And guess who's the author of the Bible? Holy Spirit of God. Amen. So now what we understand is the mystery here in the Old Testament. Isn't this amazing? In the Old Testament, God said, bullocks, doves, sheep, goats, their blood never forgave sin. In the Old Testament, blood never forgave sin. All of that was to say the true lamb is coming. For right now, as long as you do what I ask you to do about this giving of a sacrifice, I will, if you would, overlook that or put my hand on it because what you're saying is I believe what you're saying about what's coming. Remember, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, but he was crucified at the end of the world, if you would. So what happens is when they did that, what they were acknowledging was we will obey God and give a sacrifice that he requires with blood. Okay? That's pretty amazing when you think about it. God's saying in the temple, in the Old Testament, and in the tabernacle, in the Old Testament, I will accept you to this point when you do what I ask you to do. God was represented in that tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. There were three levels. We'll talk about that in a minute, but in the Holy of Holies. And this is where only, look at me, Christian, this is so wonderful. In that Holy of Holies, only the high priest could go in there. Only the high priest. Not all the priests, not any priest, not you, not me. Only the high priest. That's the way God set it up. In, in Hebrews, the Bible said, now Jesus has become our high priest. Who are you giggling and looking at? Girls, sit back and quit, quit fooling around. You're here to listen to me, not stare at him and giggle and laugh. Listen to me carefully. So what happened is this. When this was taken place, 
God said, I will stay the punishment on sin looking forward. Every year they had to do this. Every year they had to do this. So every year was a reminder, our sin hasn't been totally forgiven. It's just been stayed for a while. That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? But now, in the New Testament, the Bible says in Hebrews, Jesus died once and for all, for all sin. The Bible says, you know, in the temple and in the tabernacle, there was no chair or place for the, for the high priest to sit down. You know, why his work was never done. But when Jesus gave his life, the Bible said now he sits at the right hand of the Father. Why? There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. He's already done that. I just want you to understand here the mystery of man's approach to God. Just think about that. God Almighty who created everything and then we sinned, he said, if you'll do this, I'll let you get close to me. That's pretty good. There's nothing we could do. And then I want you to know God's approach to man. Here, here's God that said, okay, in one place in Psalms, it says the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. But he said, you know what I'm going to do? I want to dwell in the middle of my people, Old Testament. And so therefore, when they built the tabernacle according to God's design, there is a room there, 15 by 15 by 15. There's one piece of furniture in there called the... Uh, um, Ark of the Covenant, and in there God represented in that room himself in the middle of his people. All of his people were stationed around there. We'll talk about that tonight. And so what happened was God said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I am going to come and be in the middle of all of you. I'm going to be with you on earth. I'll be there. Isn't that amazing what God decided to do? We're so arrogant. Well, you know, he had to. Like... No, he didn't have to do anything. This was God's design. So he built, understand, this built temple, this palace, was not a permanent abiding place back in the Old Testament. Because in Malachi, the Bible said God disassociated himself with his people. He would not go on with them anymore because of the way they were living. All of this was an illustration. We call it a type or a shadow. You know what I'm talking about? It's a type. It's a shadow. It's an illustration of his temple today. We just read in 1 Corinthians, now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? God dwelleth in us. The Bible teaches that. So the illustration of the Old Testament teaches us a lot about this tabernacle in the New Testament. Now this is just, turn to Acts chapter number 7. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter number 7. Acts chapter number 7. Look at verse number 48. Acts chapter 7 and verse number 48. How be it the Most High dwelleth not in temples made by hands. Uh, talking about what the temple and the tabernacle of the Old Testament was made. Men built that. Now it's according to God's design, but men with their hands built it. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Chapter number 6, look at verse number 16. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, 
as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. God is saying from the Old Testament to now, because of what Jesus did, I no longer live in a temple or a tabernacle built by hands. I live inside of those that have prepared themselves and yielded to me and my way, I will come into you. I will live in you. You have to understand, this is pretty amazing. The palace is for God. In the earthly built temple, there were three main divisions. You had the outer court, then you had the holy place, then you had the holy of holies. Three. Body, soul, spirit. Huh. God the Father, God the Son. Isn't that amazing? It's called numerology in the Bible. So here's what happens here. You find out here that there was the outer court, there was the holy place, then there was the holy of holies. It seems to illustrate the threefold division of a human being. Remember, the tabernacle was an illustration of us. Okay? Now we come to find out here the way it was actually built is a demonstration of us too. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. We have, if you would, we have the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. Let me help you understand some things here. First of all, the body. Here we live in a day when we keep telling me, it doesn't matter how I dress, it doesn't matter how I look, it doesn't matter what people see. Do you know the outside of the temple and the tabernacle is the first thing anybody looked at? They couldn't see anything else but that. They saw, and by the way, that's what people do when they see you. You don't know my heart. I can't get past the outside. We have decided in today's New Baptist Christianity... That it doesn't matter how I look, where I go, what I drink, what I chew, what I scratch, where I look. It doesn't, it doesn't make any difference anymore. What matters in my heart? Right. Yeah, but you don't live with God yet. Amen. You live among men. And the Bible said that men may see your good works. Amen. Men may, what's the next word? See. See. They can't see your heart. They can't see your brain. They can't see your spirit. He's talking about the body. He's talking about the outward temple, the outward part of the temple. Now, this is the part that irritates people because, yeah, you're going to tell me what I can and can't do. Well, that's what God did. I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm just going to tell you what I think the Bible says. So what happens here is simply this, this outer court, God's palace, the part seen by all the world. When they first showed up at the tabernacle, they saw this tent on the outside. Wow, what's that all about? They didn't see the inside first, and they certainly did not see God represented in there first. They saw the outward. When they start building the tabernacle and they finish this, God moved in, inside, a place called the Holy of Holies. When people first saw it, what attracted them, you ready? Ready, Christian? Was the outside appearance of those places. Now, it should be maintained, the outside should be maintained because it represents who is inside of us. People actually believe God and what he represents by how we live. So we have just decided to tell everybody God loves everybody and everything. Do you know how much smaller the Bible could be if that was all there was? One sentence. That is a sentence in the Bible, but that's not the only sentence in the Bible. So we have this body thing here. God, God, understand, if you're saved, if you're saved, look at me, if you have received Jesus Christ as Savior, there's no, I think I am, I, I may be, I'm trying to. No, you either saved or lost right now. There is no in-between there. And so does God not just have, God does not just have a room in your life. 
God does not just have a that place. Well, no, on Sunday I give him that. God designed the temple. It's his, the whole thing. And when he moved into you, lock, stock, and hubcap all belongs to God. Hook, line, and sinker. Body, soul, spirit. Body, soul, spirit. Body, soul, spirit. Body, soul, and spirit all belong to God. You see the part in that temple there, everything. He didn't have part of it. The whole palace is his and should and should and should glorify him. We read that throughout the and many, many other places talks about glorifying God. Everything people see because of who's in me should be glorifying God, not me. Well, I believe had nothing to do with it. Well, I don't care, I'm going to had got a thing to do with it. Not if you're going to obey God. So we find out here the palace is for God. Man looketh upon the outward appearance. This outward appearance of the temple was designed by God. Look at me. God didn't say, I'm on the inside. The outside, you can do pretty much what you want. God gave Solomon, David actually, and said, this is the length, this is the height, this is the color, that's what I want in there. You can't do this. I want you to do that. And on the outside, you're going to put up this big tent, and that's what people are going to see. And they're going to see inside of that tent, and they're going to see smoke coming up from the offering there, and they're going to see this big laver full of water there, and then they're going to see this tent. They're going to see it, but they can't see inside of it. But the way you respect it and take care of it, they're going to say, that's something special. I mean, really, what's so special about a tent? It's not the tent. It's what's inside. So we find out here, that would be the body. The outward appearance of the temple was designed by God. It wasn't designed by Solomon. It wasn't designed by David. God gave him everything he wanted done. And by the way, the one here on earth is a shadow, the Bible said in Hebrews, of the true temple in heaven. So what you saw down here was a shadow, a type an illustration of the true temple that's in heaven. What about the soul? This would represent the holy place in God's temple. So we had the, if you would, we had the uh, body, we had the outer court and the body. Now we have the holy place and the soul. What does that mean? What does that mean? This is very important. Andrew Murray, great writer. I mean, this, this man knew something about God. He said this when it came to the holy place the holy place, not the holy of holies. That's where God is. He said, where the thoughts and affections walk to and fro like consecrated priests of old. What's in your mind right now? What's in your thoughts right now? What are your thoughts about God? What are your thoughts about holiness? What are your thoughts about right and wrong? What's your thought about the word of God? So in there, in your soul, these things are traveling all the time, if you would. And we're supposed to be glorifying God with everything in our life. This is the place in us where choices and decisions are made. But we do not, though we have a will, we do not have a right. Now that we're saved, we gave ourselves to God. Every thought and everything we do should only bring him glory. So though I have a decision maker, my decision should say, whatever God wants. I'm all for that right there. Look how arrogant we are. Well, I have opinion. Against God Almighty? Seriously. How arrogant is that? How prideful is that? Well, I'm not stupid. You know, I went to college. There are more college people around here than you shake church at. 
they're everywhere. So you, you know nobody's special. I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying quit lifting yourself up. So we find out here before entering into the holy of holies, the place where God, before entering there, Christian, listen to me, there, I must be willing and honest with God to get myself cleansed in full agreement with him. You cannot get close to God. Just because he dwells in you via the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're close to God. You can sear your conscience. You can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And you do this by disagreeing with what he wants. He said, I don't think I am. Aren't you glad God gave us his word? And that way we don't have to do a lot of thinking. Because everybody has an opinion. Well, I believe. Like that settles everything. Oh, I disagree with that. Most of the time I just grin at people. I was going to say something. I just remember. So what happens here? This is where decisions are made. This is actually that holy place. This is where I decide, am I going to, now that I'm saved, am I going to live for God so I get closer to his presence or not? Your decision. Your decision. By the way, is that way in the temple? Is that way in the tabernacle? So we find out here, go to Psalm chapter 51. Do you know what happened if the priest entered in to the temple or the tabernacle and did not go through the process that God said and they tried to get into the presence of God and bypass and didn't do everything God said in the holy place? Do you know what would happen to them? They would die. And this is what's happened to a lot of Christians. We're existing, but we're dead. We're saved, but we're dead. We have decided that I'm going to get saved and that's about as far as it's going to go. I am going to do what I want to and we keep telling people, well, I think I am close to God. Well, I think I am right with God. God is called the holy God. Our life outward and inward should be glorifying him, doing what he wants. That's what glorifies God, is doing his will, not my own will. In Psalm chapter number 51, you're already there and I'm not. Psalm chapter number 51. I want you to look, if you would, please, at verse number 6. Now, watch very carefully. Behold that... Now, this is David. David was a lover of God. Boy, did he love the Lord. He said, Behold, thou desirest truth in what? That's the part nobody can see. The inward part. Are you listening to me? The inward part. Wait a minute. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. God said, God, David was saying, God works from in here out. But men can't see that. So God said, you take care of the tabernacle, you take care of the temple. Now you're the temple and you are representing me in this world. Understand, people can't see your heart, they can't see your brain, they can't see your intentions, they can't see your thoughts. What they see is you. And we're supposed to be representing God. So, then we come to find out here. Do we read? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 3. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Where am I at here? Yeah, I know. Oh, there we go. Okay. Behold that desires truth in the inward. Go, drop down to verse 10 now, watch. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart. O God, and renew a 
right spirit within me. David was saved. David loved the Lord. But sin had come into David's life. And David said, things are all whacked out now. Everything's off balance. Things are not the way God designed. So he said, God, I recognize that. And what I need, I need right now, I need a clean heart. My heart's not clean. David would know that because David had had a clean heart. You know, it's kind of like when you first got saved, how, how clean you felt, how wonderful you felt. You still looking up here? So what happened, David said, basically, I know what that's like. I know what it is like. He needs to sit up and quit looking over this way. Both those guys do. Sit up. What happened was this. David knew what it was to walk with God, to be clean with God, to have good conscience towards God, and sin came into his life. And the first thing that David missed was the joy of God's presence in his life. God's not the same. Anything you want, God, all of that, but what I want is the joy of thy salvation. He wasn't asking to be saved again. What he was saying was, Above everything, what I miss is the joy of me and you being together. I, it's just, it doesn't, it's not right. God, I, that, that innocence and that cleanness that you and I used to share is not there anymore. So David was asking for that. Number three, in the spirit. Now we're going in the holy of holies. Ready? Remember? You had three parts, right? Body, soul, spirit. The spirit is the innermost part of the man. The place into which the Holy Ghost himself has said, I will take up my abode. I want to live. I'm going to make your spirit alive. And then I'm going to lead you and guide you in all ways of truth and righteousness. Only a regenerated man has this prepared room which God will dwell in. God will not dwell in you, unsaved person. You're unclean. You're dead, trespasses and sins. You have no right to the presence of God in your life. It's offered. You've turned it down evidently to this point. And God said, okay, well, I can't do that unless you allow me to come into your life. Now, I'm talking to sinners now. You allow me to come into your life. You know, on that, on that, on that uh, tabernacle, that great big tent that they had, 150 feet by 75 by 15 feet high, something like that, you know how many doors were on that place? One. One. As soon as you entered into that, in other words, you had to recognize there's only one door to get close to God. Jesus said, I am the door. You have to understand, as soon as you get in there, you must recognize sacrifice has to be given for you. And Jesus was our sacrifice. Then you had the laver there. And what you better do, the washing of the water by the word, keep yourself clean. We're talking about getting close to God, who's in the holy of holies. Okay, we're talking about getting close. We're not talking about getting saved. That happened at that door and accepting that sacrifice. Now the rest of this from that point on in that tabernacle was illustration of what you do to keep yourself right with God and get close to him as you go forward. So you go to the laver, then you get into the holy place. Over there was the table of shoe bread. Across from there was the candlestick, one. And then you had the altar of incense right there. And then there was this huge uh, curtain right there. And nobody went beyond there except the high priest himself. But you know when Jesus died, the Bible said the veil was rent in twain. That veil in that temple was torn in half, signifying that now you don't need a high priest. Why? Because you have a high priest. Jesus Christ went into the holiest of all with the sacrifice of himself. And when that was done and accepted by God, that 
big curtain that separated everybody from personally getting with God has all been torn away. Ladies and gentlemen, you listen to me. What a privilege that now you can come into the very presence of God because of Jesus Christ who lives inside of you and you have a right now to come to the Father. But you can't just approach any way you want. The spirit of a man. The Bible said without the spirit, you're none of his. I've had charismatic people tell me, now I'm saved, I'm waiting for the spirit. I'm sorry, that's against the Bible. You don't have the spirit, you're none of his. The Bible says so right there. The Bible also says you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. You, dead person, hath he, Holy Spirit of God, quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. The spirit of a man is that part that died because of the fall. The part of man that is what comes alive unto God, quickened when you got saved. You didn't recognize it. You didn't understand it. Look, folks, you got the whole thing backwards. You got the cart before the horse, the tail before the dog, so on and so forth. You're trying to understand it all so you can figure out if you want to be saved. You'll never be saved. There are people down on campus that teach theology that do not know God as Savior. They could argue every point, they think, for all the good it's going to do. That's like a dead man over at Sheddinger offering you a book on how to live. He's dead. What's he doing? What happens here is this. This is the central place that connects your ability to communicate with God. Without God choosing by the Holy Spirit to take up his abode in your body, in the middle of you, he does not live on the outside. That's expressed from who is inside or supposed to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, the question arises from this text to the Christians at the church of Corinth. This is important. 1 Corinthians. You think it's possible for a person to be saved and not know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of them? Hmm, that's a good question. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Look at verse number 16. Uh, what am I at? Oh, yeah, here we go. Know you not, now he's talking to Christians in a church, the church at Corinth, all right? Here's what he says. Know you not that ye are the temple of God? How is it you don't know this? You're saved and you don't know that you're the temple? Sound like a lot of Christians today. How is it possible you do not understand this, that you are the temple of the living? How is it you don't know this? And that the spirit of God, how is it you don't know these two things? How is it that Christians do not understand, look at me, your body is the temple of God Almighty? How is it, he said here, you don't know that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? How is it you don't know that? He's talking to born-again people here. Understand here, there's several reasons for this. Number one, spiritual infancy. You may be saved, but you're a babe in Christ. You don't know the Bible. You don't know what God says about things. Through the years, a lot of years have passed, and your experience has still stayed an infant. You have not grown over the years in God's word. So you're, if you would, ignorant of what God teaches, even to who's living in you and why he's there. I, I, I hit on things now that are common to a lot of our people, and I watch people go, huh. Like this is a new doctrine. It's not a new doctrine. It's been in the Bible ever since it's been printed. 
So what we have here is this. People no longer grow. They don't develop in their spiritual life. All other places in life they normally do, but not their spiritual life. Christian, you have to grow. Through this period of infancy, it should have passed by now. And Paul is saying, wait a minute, you're still a babe in Christ. You should have been more mature by now. You should understand these things right now, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God dwells. Why is it you don't know this? Because they're infants. I'll show you this in just a moment. They were not mature enough. To, the only thing they wanted was things easy to digest, like a baby, milk, pablum, food chewed up by somebody else so that they could swallow it. That's what moms do. It's sickening if you ever seen them. You, you see, that's what birds do. They're babies. Spit it out in their throat. Okay, put their beak all the way down their throat, right? Man, that's nothing. Gag a bird. And so what happens is, you've been in church how long now? You say, no, preacher, I got saved in 1969. Wonderful. How is it you don't know this stuff? Why do you not know God any better than you do now? I'm talking to born-again Christians, not talking to lost people. You have to know God before you get to know God or his son. Why is it you do not know these things? They were not mature enough to eat anything. They couldn't eat bread. They couldn't eat milk. Uh, they couldn't eat meat. All they wanted was milk. Why? I like that preacher because he likes me. Yeah, but you're sinning. Why, why doesn't somebody tell you what God wants you to do about that? Oh, no, that's just a tough preacher. Oh, that's just hard preaching. Let me see. Hard preaching now is like a mom telling a child no. That's pretty rough. In today's society, for a mom to tell his kids absolutely no without giving them 45 minutes of instruction and 15 different choices in the matter. That child will never grow up. We have grown Christians, even in this church, that out in the work world, you're finding out just how immature you are. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 1. Chapter 3, verse number 1. Now, you didn't come into church to get out of church, did you? Okay. Oh, I know. You came here to go, did my duty. Ah, well, whatever. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse number 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes. Now, babies are more fleshly than spiritual, that's for sure. What are babies known for? Well, let me see. Dirtying themselves. Crying, complaining. You ever see parents, kids climbing all up and whining. What's the parents say? They're tired. You know, if you don't teach them better than that, when they become adults, they'll do the same thing. Man, what's your problem? I'm sorry. I'm just tired. Yeah, it was never stopped when you were. By the way, same thing spiritually. You sit in church and cross your arms and decide to stare, go to sleep, do whatever you do. You know why? You don't want to hear it. I don't want somebody else running my life, including God. Infancy is an unconscious state of one's innocence. You know, babies don't even realize they're here. I think of Brother Gooding's little boy. He's been in the hospital all this time. And I told him the other day, and his, his wife's there too, but I told him, I said, isn't it wonderful that this takes place now? When he gets older, other than mom and dad reminding him, he won't even remember what's happened. Isn't that wonderful what God did? But you can't stay that way. You great big people, I'm sorry, you adult people, no, I see you taller people. You can't keep acting like a baby. 
You pout when things don't go your way. You stub up because you don't like something. You cross your arms and stare because you don't, I don't think that's right. That's what babies do. And you're not even aware of what's going on or why it has to be that way. Infancy in the spiritual life is the very same way that it is here. You know, I don't know, I don't, I don't remember reading one. I don't know of an infant writing an autobiography of his infancy. Anybody? No, not somebody else. That's not called an autobiography. That's called a biography. An infant writing a book of his infancy. You know why? He's unconscious that he's even here. His innocence says, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. Is that you and your Christianity? Why is everybody amening and shaking their head? I don't even get it. How long have you been saved? What? Don't you know that this belongs to God? Don't you also know? Why is it you don't know this stuff? Why is it you don't know that the Spirit of God is dwelling in you and you belong to Him? Infancy is one of helplessness and dependency. Now, if you're a baby, you're a baby. People don't mind carrying around a baby when he's little, but it looks a little silly when you're 15. Still carrying you around, right? Burping, listening to you cry. That's what you parents do sometimes to your teenagers. Why? We're upset with the church because he's crying all the time and doesn't like it. Then straighten him out. That's what God's word, God's word doesn't change because you don't like something. So what do we have here? So many Christians nowadays need constant attention and they've been saved for years. Been saved for years. Been saved for years. You've been at it five years, 10 years, 15 years. Well, the preacher never calls me, so because of that, I'm changing churches. You sound like a little baby. Preacher, I wasn't there for two weeks. I don't know why you didn't call. Well, the other 12 times you weren't here for two weeks, I just figured you were on vacation again. They cannot walk alone and feed themselves. You've never learned that. Which is real dangerous because you skip church all the time. The preacher and the church must spoon feed them constantly all the time. These converts at Corinth were a disappointment to Paul because he said, You should have been spiritual by now. But you're babes, you're carnal. A baby is carnal, a baby's more fleshly than spiritual. All right? They really are. They don't understand. So they just react by emotion and feeling. If that's the way you react is by emotion and feeling, you're a baby. You might be six foot eight, but how tall are you? Six foot two. Six foot two. But if he has saved and is not growing in the Lord, I don't care what his size is. He is a baby. If every time somebody tells you, you can't do that, my... I'm going home. I don't like it, church. He's a baby. He said, how do you know that? I can't read his heart. You, what? Watch. I'm reading this and saying something's not right inside here. Are you following me? Does this make any sense to you? You keep wondering why everybody wants to go to churches that entertain. I can tell you why. Because even now you can't stay awake or concentrate on the word of God because it's boring. If you were fighting battles and trying to live on a level that God's pleased with, you'd find out, boy, this is good stuff. I need this. Now I understand some stuff about life. Babies don't care. Three reasons 
the three reasons given in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 why Christians are not consciously aware of God's spirit dwelling in them. Now, if you're a born-again Christian, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you'll be like this. Everybody else is. Guess I am too. I don't want you doing that. Number one, spiritual infancy. You still act like babies. God's, God said, God said, okay? Number two, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse number one. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, we already read that part, but watch verse two. Ready? I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto, up to this point, you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. After all this time, you still can't. Unbelievable. What's up with you folks? Watch verse 3. For ye are carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, divisions, are you not carnal? And walk as men. When it says walk as men, it's talking about unsaved people. So whether it's in your family, in you, or in a church, your problem right there. So what are we talking about here? Carnality. Carnal is synonymous with fleshly. Somebody has said one time, self is fleshly, spelt backward with the H drop. You're going to go, huh? Let me say it again. Someone has said self, which is nothing good about that. Self is fleshly, spelt backward with the H dropped off of it. So fleshly, when I use that word, means selfish. All about you. A carnal life is a worldly, fleshly, selfish life. It is a life of self-will, self-seeking, self-pleasing. This is a Christian who is in it to see what he gets out of it. Here's the way people pick churches today. What do you got for our teenagers? If I join, what do you got for seniors? If I join, do you have a softball game around here? Do you guys play softball here? It's all about you. Your pleasure, your wants, your desires, that's what it is. Rather than for the cause of Christ and others. I suppose you'd be one of those people, and I'll be honest with you, I, I'd probably never go to a storefront. But when I started here in a storefront, actually even worse than a storefront, was the Westgate Recreation Center over here. Our nursery was in the hallway. On a Sunday, people come in bouncing basketballs with their gym shorts and stuff on, looking around like, what is going on here? Our nursery was right there. We were preaching over here in this room. I bet you wouldn't even show up, would you? To be honest with you, I'm not sure I would. Then we went to a storefront, a real small one. The bathrooms were terrible. Ugh, I don't know why anybody would show up. But they did. Then we went to a bigger storefront. Well, we had high hopes there. And sure enough, guess what happened? It filled up. Actually, to the point, we had to rent out both of them. And guess what happened? It filled up. You see, what happened was people had a desire and said, let's go this way. This looks like this will work. But watch, most of those people were in it for themselves. You ever wonder why somebody go to a storefront? I think we had an old piano. We used our, our home stereo for a sound system. And when you hang it, everybody sound like that when they were singing. Really cool. We had a guitar. Ching, 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 ching. That's where we got started. Isn't that cool? Would you join that? Well, what happened was a lot of people there look at it as an opportunity on their level to enjoy something. 
And then when we started running into battles, hardships, things that people didn't understand, they ran off the ship like rats leaving a sinking ship. There are two, three people left in this church after almost 35 years that started back then. What happened to all those hundreds of people that went on? Each level demanded more growth in maturity, more learning, growing in faith and in doctrine, and they just didn't want that. They just couldn't see it. That's what happens to carnality. And then number three, they have defiled the temple. Now, this is where we're going to close, I think. Okay, listen carefully. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're almost there. Go to verse number 17. You awake? Good, wonderful. Isn't that great? Oh, I'm so glad I'm here this morning. Wonderful. First Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 17. Now, look at verse 16. We'll start there. Ready? Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Question mark. You don't know this? All right, turn around. Watch here. If any man, what? Defile the temple. He just got through saying you're the temple, right? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. I don't jump to conclusions. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? Hmm. Go to Acts chapter 21. Go backwards. Hit Romans, then Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. Look at verse 28. <clears throat> Crying, are you there? crying out, men of Israel, help. This is a man which teach. Now, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were upset with Paul because he brought somebody into the temple, the holy temple, which they weren't living right anyway, but that's what they said. Uh, and so watch what he says. Here's what they were crying out. This man that teacheth all men uh, everywhere against the people and the law, talking about the law of Moses and the law of the Romans, this place, and further, watch this, brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. In Acts, the Jews were accusing Paul of taking Greeks, unbelieving, idol-worshiping, filthy-living Greeks into that holy place. And they said, what? He should not be doing that at all. Why is that mentioned? What's that got to do with us? Well, if you understand, there were those three reasons in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, spiritual infancy, carnality, and now he said you defiled the temple of which temple you are. You know, some of us have brought Greeks, if you will, into the temple. And it's defiled. You're having a tough time struggling to understand the Lord. Spiritual things do not really interest you unless it's something you decide you wanted to know. Other than that, eh, whatever, okay? See, we have Greeks we've allowed in that's really defiled us like pride, strife, greed, envying, divisions, anger, lust, hatred, emulations, which is an effort and desire to be equal and outdo other people an unforgiving spirit, stubbornness, on and on and on. Things that have no business being in a child of God. It defiles the temple, and the temple is where God lives. God does not live out there in space somewhere. God lives in you. 
God lives in you. When the temple in Jerusalem was completed, it was then cleansed, all the parts, every workman got out of the way, and then the glory of God moved in to that temple. When I say, do you know a spirit-filled Christian? Oh, I know a person who speaks in tongues. That's a lie, and you don't know somebody that's filled with the Spirit of God. If you come to a Baptist church like this one, you learn this stuff. All of that is choreographed, preset, predetermined, fake, raising people from the dead and doing these things. Almost all of that died with the, hold on, the apostles. The apostles. God gave them specific power over those things, and it stopped with them. Go ahead, read Corinthians, see what. Read Galatians, Ephesians. Go ahead, read it. It didn't happen. What happened? Now all of a sudden in our age, everybody living so worldly has the power of God to raise the dead. And build. Really? You believe that? So what happens here is this. When was the last time, if ever, you were aware of the presence of God in you? I didn't say you knew it. I said you were aware, consciously aware. When was the last time when something happened, you said, yeah, God, you're right, God, I, I shouldn't be doing that. When? When? When was the last time? Why? Why is his presence not more consciously aware? In, what? You don't know that this is the temple of God? What? You don't know that the Holy Spirit of God? Why is it you don't know these things? Carnal? Baby? Or you brought in sinful things and defiled the temple of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, go there please. 1 Corinthians, we're almost done. I'm hitting on it early. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Drop down to verse number 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19. Christian, I've been talking mostly to you this morning. If we do not wake ourselves up unto holiness, not I'm better than others. There's no such thing. Unto God. Unto God. I'm supposed to be living pleasing to Him. If I'm living pleasing to Him, it doesn't matter what other people do or what they think. But i got to make sure that I understand what I'm talking about right now. This is the first thing people see. And this is supposed to represent something special inside that temple. Is God living in there? Holy Spirit, you didn't know that? Watch what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What? Question mark right off the bat. One word. What? I'm amazed. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? You, you don't know that? Which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. It belongs to him now. For or because, why, why does it have to be this way? You're bought with a price. You were bought with a price. Huge price. I mean, we talked about the temple, the old te Solomon's temple. If it were built today, maybe $3 billion. Wow, what a price. Uh -huh, that's nothing. God gave heaven's best for you. Understand what he said. For ye are bought with a price. Because of that, Therefore, glorify God, go ahead, say it, in your body and your spirit, not just inside but outside. 
And ladies and gentlemen, what's going on inside probably is really what's showing on the outside. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 6, go down to verse number 17. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be as separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He's not talking about salvation. Watch what he says. I will be a father. He's not talking about a savior. He said a father. He said, let me tell you the kind of relationship we're supposed to have now. Like a father with his kids. And kids with their father. Watch what he says here. I will be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved. God wants to be our father. That, that kind of relationship. Now he's known as the creator, almighty God. He's known as the savior. And he's also known as the father. That's a relationship that he wants to have. Our, not almighty God, which is in heaven, hallowed be thy. No, our father. See, there needs to be that close relationship. But watch what he says. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of two things, flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. When people looked at that tabernacle, I taught this in school. Actually, I taught it here too. When they looked upon it, they looked and said, what's with the tent? There was nothing attractive about it. It really wasn't. It was nice. It was all done right. Everything was perfect. But basically, it was a 150 by 75 straight up tent, curtain all the way around, and it had this tent building in the middle. What covered it was basically badger skins and other types of, of, of skins from animals. And it wasn't like this, wow, look at that. That is amazing. Boy, I'd like to see. But they never saw the beauty that was in it. Because, see, you had to go through the one gate. And you had to believe that sacrifice. You had to accept that and do it. And then you got forward from there. And once you got inside, you got into the holy, not the holy of holies, but the holy place on the ceiling. There was only one candlestick over here. The only light that there was. And on the ceiling was this needlework done in gold and in, in, in like cherubs, angels. And can you imagine as it flickered, it, it probably looked like they were moving. It was gorgeous. You had this golden candlestick and you had this table that was made out of shatim wood covered in gold. And, and you looked around and everything was flashing and beautiful and expensive and perfect. The world couldn't see that. They couldn't see that. They saw none of that. So what is the big deal with you people? You don't see what's on the inside. So God in the New Testament says, work out your salvation. That men may see it. God said, I want them to see it. Now, you're the temple now, okay? So Solomon's temple was gorgeous. Everything was gold and marble and everything expensive you could possibly think of. I mean, it was grand. And people came from all over the world just to look. You know, one time it was called one of the ancient wonders of the world. A temple for God. Wow. Look at that. They weren't even inside yet. Wow, look at that. Then God comes to the New Testament and says, I, I don't understand. Why is it you don't know you're the temple of God now? 
and that his holy, holy spirit dwells in you. Why is it you don't know this? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Because of that, because of that, therefore glorify God. Ready, ready? Oh, I do. Hallow, hallow, hallow be I. Hold on, hold on. That's not what he said. In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, I'm not my own. Neither are you. You belong to God. So what happens when you let God have his full control of the inner life, you will have a greater awareness of him being in you which will cause you also to begin to clean up and change things on the outside because you know that's what people see. No, you don't have to have your hair parted like me or have a full head of hair like I've got. You don't have to dress like me, but if you're going to go, you might as well go first class. You don't have to sing like me, though. Some of you, let me take a lesson. Anyway, um, you, no, no, that's not what he's saying. He didn't say you're an imitation of Pastor Bell. He said, I, you don't understand? God, by the Holy Spirit, is living in you now? You understand that? Why is it you don't know this? That God's Holy Spirit moved in when you said, God, clean it all up. I want you to be with me. And God said, coming. And then we decide to live the way we want to. We pull in Greeks from everybody. Well, I know churches that allow this. You ever notice whatever people do, it gets us closer to worldly stuff. Why doesn't any of these new churches and even Baptist churches, which they're they're dying. Why don't they go like, hey, we need to change some things. We need to start having prayer meeting every night. But they don't. I can pray in my heart at work or, or playing pickleball. Or what do we call that? Is that what you Pickleball, pickleball. That just sounds sloppy to me. Pickleball. I don't know. It's an old people game. But a guy told me one time, I can't make church on Sunday morning. Got an appointment to play pickleball. I wanted to tell him, you need to keep your priorities. Good for you. I wonder how many people are supposed to be here this morning that just slept in. Could have been here. Could have been here. Good night. We have visitors that showed up. Where's the people who say, I know God? And if I stare in one direction too much and start preaching, what's the matter with the preacher? Does he think I'm doing something wrong? The guilty flee when no man pursueth. What's up with you? The reasons, the reasons Christians are not consciously aware they're still infant, yet they should be farther down the road and understand more about God and be able to take more. That's what men do. We're raising effeminate, sissy men. Can't endure a thing. We've got, we've got young ladies go off to Bible college. You guys that want to sit around, push and pinch and play games the whole day. What is wrong with you? So we send off our spirit-filled, beautiful young ladies to a Bible college, and they come back single. I said, what's up with that? Preacher, they're just boys. All they want to do is play games and giggle. What happened to you, fellas? Okay, let's switch. Christian. You won't read your Bible unless it's a game or somebody forces you. You won't go to church unless you have a great need or, ah, I have nothing else to do this morning. Baby Christian. Make no doubt about it, you are a baby Christian. Now, if you're a baby, nothing wrong with that. 
Babies, that's what they cry. They fuss. That's what babies do. But not grown-ups. Maybe what you've done is just you brought some jealousy or unforgiveness, pride, ambition, greed, stubbornness. And God said, there's no place in here for that. But you brought it anyway, didn't you? And you're not about ready to give it up because, bless God, you're going to stand your ground even if God doesn't like it. You're defiling the temple. So, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Which you have of God and ye are not your own. How dare you make up your own mind on what you think is right and wrong, what you will and will not. Now you have a decision maker. God gave it to you. But now that you're saved, should you not be deciding this? You're not your own. Why? For you're bought with a price. I better go out here and not find my car driving itself up and down the freeway. Car, what are you doing? I don't want to sit out there and wait on you all day. I got my own things to do. I'm sorry. I bought you. You're mine. I have the right to do what I want. You don't. And we all understand that. But when it comes to us, you know, I have some things in life I want to accomplish. Just be prepared to tell the Lord all about that. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are palace, the temple, belongs to God. Let's pray.